0: This episode of See Here is fueled by a lot of classical gas. Mm
1: Episode, what are we? Nine, I think. Yep, episode nine of See Here Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about music-related films, if it's your first time. And if it's your ninth time, well, you already know that, so I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Morris here in Melbourne. We have Ms. Wendy Freeman over in Chicago. Hey, friends. I'm back. Wonderful to have you back. You didn't sleep through your alarm clock. Fantastic. (laughs) And we have in Seoul, Mr. Tim Merrill. Hey. And in Bath. We have OBE, honoured by the Queen, Sir Bernard Stickwell.
2: Uh, thank you. Hello.
0: That's Bernard, Mr Innocence Stickwell. To you,
1: <laughs> Mr Innocence. That's that's an off-air joke. I don't think we'll go there, and we it won't is go anywhere, we, we won't go anywhere with grilled cheese either. <laughs> Anyway, it's so wonderful to uh, be back with all of you. I've missed you all. Wendy. Give us yeah. A, give us the Wendy Freeman story. Where have you been? What's happening? Oh, golly.
3: I don't know. I've been to something like four or five different comic conventions this summer. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been hectic. It's been mad. And uh, I was in San Diego. I was in Cincinnati. I was uh, all over the place this summer. But uh, this weekend, we are having the Riot Fest festival, the big punk rock festival in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, who did I see yesterday? Yesterday, I saw Stiff Little Fingers.
2: Boo!
3: did you just boo them?
2: Yeah, they suck ass. They're terrible. (laughs) Oh, the worst. Oh, really? Sorry, but, uh, yeah, all right. Sorry, continue, Wendy. Eric, don't turn turn the podcast
3: off. I'm not not married to them, aside from Suspect Device, you know.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think they're an awful band. I really, really don't have any time for them at all.
3: That's awesome. I love I love hearing that. I'm very fascinated. Here. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> the big headliners oh, were uh, Slayer playing All of Rain and Blood, and Jane's Addiction playing All of Nothing Shocking. That was the big uh, the big thing last night, and I, I I stayed for most of Jane's Addiction. But today I'm really excited because I get to go see Paul Weller. Yeah. So
2: is he going to shout to the top?
3: Are you booing Paul Weller?
2: Oh, I can't fucking stand Paul Weller. I'm sorry. <laughs> You like the so jam? I, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be contrary here, but yeah, no. I really don't like Paul weather. Okay, that's all
3: right. That's
2: oh, well, okay. Sorry, that's sorry. Don't you know? It's just Bernie, an opinion. I'm sorry, Bernie, but...
1: that's that's entertainment. You really do live in a town called Malice, don't
2: you? Oh, oh my God! Zing. That zing! They keep
1: coming.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, jam I was it down where the, down the Ast- at, well. uh, So I was down in the subway Ast- at midnight yesterday, and oh, uh, well, I was yeah. talking to someone. Well, he's not sucky, Paul weather is.
3: So, he's not an absolute beginner at hating him. Oh,
2: oh I can't okay. think of any more. I um, <laughs> don't really have much of an issue with the jam. That uh, you know they're okay, but Paul Weller as a individual performer, uh, okay. yeah, not my uh, not my cup of tea. I'm afraid. Right,
3: <laughs> that's okay. So, and I forget the headliners are people I don't like. It's like The Offspring and and uh, some oh, other people. Uh, yeah. I don't like. <laughs>
1: I hear better parts like The Offspring, though.
2: No, I can't bear The Offspring, either. Oh, okay, good. But I'm if getting... I was you, Wendy, I'd, I'd stay at home and have a cup of tea instead.
3: Well, I'm going to go home and have a cup of tea
2: later. Well, no, I
3: can't, because I'm there. I'm doing volunteer work for the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, so...
2: that's oh, oh, how. Well, in that case, more power to Yeah, so
3: I'm actually doing something nice...
2: People good for you. Oh, good, that's awesome. That offsets the Paul Weller and the offspring stuff. Well, you know what guess, you should so. do?
0: You should take take, home, take the homeless to go to Paul Weller.
2: Homeless <laughs> people love Paul Weller, yeah. Yeah, no, Tim, the uh, the homeless people have got it bad enough anyway, they don't need to be seeing that as well, do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're Small right, than, uh, you're right.
1: Um, Hey, at least they yes. don't. They, at least they don't have uh, Bono coming and downloading themselves on him. Them. Oh, oh, don't you Jesus. fucking
0: start with God. me, man! <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't,
1: don't, no. Hey, hey, hey you, go- you, you, you and I uh, you, we're of a we're of a like mind on that, Tim. I know, I know.
3: I think also, perhaps
2: all four of us are. I don't know, Wendy. Are you a YouTube fan?
3: Oh, I listened to that album.
2: <laughs> oh, you actually <laughs> okay, listen to it? questions.
3: Here's the question, all right. So, as far as tribute songs about the Ramones, I far prefer Frank Black's "I Heard Ramona Sing" over that hunk of shit that you
0: two released the other day. <laughs> Am I right? Well, no. I mean, you know, I have I have evidence that Joey Ramone he came from the future because you see, the thing is, he wrote a song in the past called "Beat on the Brat." <laughs> and he was actually he was actually he actually wrote that song about fucking boner
2: you guys say all this have you i mean i don't know whether this this might be apocryphal but as far as i heard it the song that uh Ramone was listening to as he died in his hospital room he was listening to fucking you too and that's why he died. Probably. That you know, it probably sped up the process. They gave him that instead of a massive <laughs> injection of morphine.
0: <laughs> I mean, how fu- how fucking sadistic is that, man? When the guy, a guy's like living out his last breaths, you know, and his eyes are getting dimmer and everything's just I, I hate, you know, zoning out in the gray, and what does he hear, you know, the last things he hears of his existence? It's a beautiful day. Eh, eh. It's
2: like fuck. Oh. I hate to say this. I hate to burst people's bubbles. As far as Joey Ramone goes, but I think he was listening to it by choice. Sorry, I'm bringing you all down, but that's as I heard it. But you know what? You know
0: what? He he was probably in all kinds of drugs and shit. He was probably yeah. That's the thing. Yeah.
2: But no, I, I, you know, this whole U2 thing, you know, it's complete. It's music as product, isn't it? It's music not as music, music as product as a commodity, as a way of generating. Money music markets and so on, and it's just fucking, it sickens me.
0: Sickens music as fe- feces.
2: Bernie is the king of hate! Yeah, 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 it's kind of, it's all coming out today, isn't it? Yeah.
3: What if Paul Weller's done
2: it? I just, I just speak the truth. I, I call it as I see it, you know? <laughs>
3: That's awesome. What if him and Paul Weller and Stiff Little Fingers making Well, you know,
2: I think, I, <laughs> they're, they're I think they're recording a, a, a Bono tribute LP together. Oh, man. <laughs> I think what's going to happen is, covers on there. <laughs> you know,
0: when you die, when you die, Bernie, man, you know, you're going to go to hell and it's going to be, you know, like Bono shoving pineapples up your ass for eternity oh, while you have a headset on with stiff little fingers and when Bono yeah. gets tired. He's gonna clock out for his shift, and then Paul Weller's gonna take over.
2: Oh, totally, yeah. Whilst fucking the offspring are on stage, cranking it up, playing that right. um, pretty <laughs> fly for a white guy over and over again. So, um, um, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I'm fully prepared. And, but
3: and then occasionally well, you get, occasionally you'll get to take a vacation. Only you will be on that Sugar Ray cruise.
2: Yeah. Um, Oh, have you seen one.
0: that? With we, we, <laughs> special guests, with special guest Limp Bizkit. Oh
2: yeah. Jesus. And Nickelback. Yeah. Oh Nickelback! Oh my God. Uh, anyway. why, why do these people? Why do they hate music so much that they have to do mm-hmm. this to us? And welcome, I mean? ladies and
0: gentlemen, to the Happy Cast. <laughs> oh.
2: But hey, no. why don't we talk about uh, something good instead? All so please, right, well, somebody else.
1: You know, uh, here we are nine minutes into this, and we haven't actually said why it is that we're here. We're here to talk about music-related film, and today's film is, as, as I say in the Trashy Trio, we're going back to Italy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't sound a bit like Josh, do I? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, we're going to Italy, 1976, with a film by the director Bruno Bozzetto, and the film is called Allegro Non Troppo, and features Maurizio Nicchetti, who um, also made one of my favorite parodies. I guess if you went and mixed a mixture of The Bicycle Thieves and The Purple Rose of Cairo, then you'd have his film called The Icicle Thief. I highly recommend that one, directed by and starring Maurizio Nicchetti. But he's in this film. And and, yes, as I said, directed by Bruno Bozzetto, who uh, is still active today making really great pieces of animation. And maybe we'll uh, get a chance to speak a little bit about that later on in the show. And we even have a little bit of feedback. Yay! Uh, Something written and some MP3. We'll present that uh, towards the end of the show. Maybe should we go to a quick break and then come back and talk some film? Sure. All right. Let's let's do that. We're going to go for a quick break. We'll see you in a minute.
4: Son, it's time we have a talk.
0: About what, Dad?
4: Well, son, pretty soon you want to look at naked girls. Some movies have lots of naked girls and things that make you feel strange.
3: Mm, like Sasha Gray videos? <laughs>
4: oh, you've got to start off slow, son. Save the triple penetration gangbangs for when you get old and miserable. Savor the sight of bare breasts from a bygone era before they were a Google away. Supper
3: time, you two. And remember, no incestuous ruffies or rapey pink films until after dinner. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Trashy Trio. Covering Euro sleaze, Japanese pink films,
3: American ruffies, or any other sordid entertainment that comes their way. The Trashy Trio. A podcast to listen to while alone. With headphones on. Probably in your closet, under some covers.
0: In a world where podcasts last over three hours,
1: you have concepts of time.
0: Balaban Studios presents a stinking pause.
4: Take your stinking pause off me, you damn dirty ape!
2: Starring Scotland. Yeah, be prepared for me to have a little bit to say about that one. And Charles. If Leslie Grantham can do it, then so I can I... <laughs> oh,
5: yeah. Piedi! Pedute!
0: Piedi!
5: L'artista
0: crea...
2: Oh. A one, a two, a one, a two, a three, a four.
1: Break. Thanks for joining us here on the See Here podcast. Wendy, Tim, Bernie and myself. And we're going to be talking about the 1976 film Allegro Non Troppo, directed by one Bruno Bozzetto. Before I go round the table, I'm really, really keen to gather your thoughts, guys, because I was the one who imposed this film on you all. But I just thought I wanted to set a picture here about the first time I went and saw this. And In Melbourne, we used to have this most incredible cinema that had a whole lot of, I don't know, I guess it left of centre stuff. Like, we didn't have much in the way of art house or alternative cinemas. It was just this one place of Valhalla. And it was like the home of the midnight screening. Apart from that, we just sort of like had the big sort of blockbuster type cinema. So this is a place where you went if you wanted to see something a little bit different. And the Valhalla had its run between the 1970s through to, like, Think the mid 90s uh, and it was there that I first saw *Allegro Non Troppo*. might have been I don't know 81 or 82 a few years after it was originally released I can't say for sure what it was that made me interested in seeing it but when I went there was absolutely nothing like it around I mean at the time I was sort of you know, I'd lost interest I was maybe a bit too old to go seeing you know, new Disney cartoons and it was you know way before the sort of animation revival where you know it was sort of adult inclusive uh, although this same cinema the Valhalla would actually sort of be instrumental in at least locally having uh, something of an animation revival they uh, would sort of gather the best from all around the world and have like a uh, two-hour screenings and it was there that they'd um, they sort of introduced Melburnians to uh, Wallace and Gromit and uh, the rest of the art and studio shorts it was you know, really fantastic No, I remember going to see Allegra and Troppo at Valhalla and you know introducing a whole bunch of friends I must have gone about three or four times for seeing that one season uh, down there and it just well i'll look i'll go i'll go into my thoughts later on as to the film now this was uh, your first time all seeing it or had you all realized that you might have seen it sometime before um it's when, weird when because, it you?
3: yeah it's weird because i i i remember parts of this very vividly seeing as a child and i remember being really upset by it <laughs> oh really yeah,
1: like, just like Yellow Submarine. Like, as a little kid, I couldn't deal with unconventional animation. There was no, uh, creature in this film, though, that had, like, a chomping stomach. I could see where that would upset you in, uh, Yellow Submarine. <laughs> right.
3: I don't know, like, in my mind, I couldn't handle, <laughs> I couldn't handle things that weren't, weren't, you know, Don Bluth or Disney or
0: something, I don't know. Right, right. Well,
1: it's, it's a, well, it's not a, not a convention, it's not a kid's film, that's for sure,
2: but, uh,
0: Right, right, I, especially not that first one. <laughs> I had a friend of mine and his wife. They uh, ran a cinema, a uh, rep cinema in Toronto back in the day. And they used to show stuff like, you know, Early Aldomovar and, you know, Donna Blur and, and her husbands. And, uh, you know, they would show like Bliss and like all these kind of really obscure arty films. And I remember them showing this, but I never ever saw it. And they actually used to put this up against... Uh, I think it was Bashki, like right. American American Pop or uh, Hey Good Looking or any of the early Baskey stuff. They would run this on a double bill. Either that or this with uh, heavy metal when it came out and it started hitting the rep cinemas, I remember. But I'd never seen this before. But the one thing I will say about this film is I, I sat down and watched it last night for the first time. And as I started watching it, it bless, you. bless you, it Sorry. really started uh, – it really started making me kind of want to uh, pick up uh, certain proclivities from my youth. You know, it, it, it started uh, making me want to uh, get into certain green habits <laughs> that I uh, I've long since uh, given up. But it, you know. yeah it's uh i'm glad you picked this one
1: no nice nice mr stickwell was this uh your first viewing
2: yeah no i'd I'd never heard of it before until you mentioned it uh morris Mm -hmm. so it was uh, my first viewing as well yeah um (laughs) yeah i'm not entirely sure how i felt about it there were um certain things i liked i liked the animation the animation style that kind of scrappy 70s weird sort of psychedelic colours and that sort of real handmade kind of feel Mm -hmm. it had uh, almost a sort of underground comic kind of vibe to some of it I felt right Um, but I'm not entirely certain how much I felt it was successful as pieces of animation to go along with the music. Um, you know, I could have watched it with the sound turned down and probably enjoyed it just as much. And also the, I mean, obviously we'll get into this, but the uh, the linking scenes, the non-animation scenes, got to say, didn't really do it for me. Or
1: I know it's, that uh, that's, people people are divided. I know there are some people who love that and there are some people you really, yeah, like like yourself, yeah, like, I,
0: I could have easily tools. easily done with that all the. All there's there's one good. thing that needs to be said here, though. Um, actually, believe it or not, there was two versions of this film that were released. There was that. one. There was one version actually that had all the the live action in between the animation, and then there was one that actually just had a bit of animation that gave the titles of each you know piece in between and then went right into the animation so i th- i think that you know but for me like i think you know we're, we're kind of skipping ahead already but uh for me the idea that you know there was i guess what we should tell people is that the gist of it is is that there's an italian animator who gets this idea that he wants to uh combine an amalgamation of you know classical music and uh animation but then he finds out that there's this an american allegedly this pisney guy or whatever you want to call it Grisney, Grisney. yeah Grisney or pisney or whatever you want to call it who has already done this but he's going to do it his own way so then he goes and kidnaps a whole mess of these old grannies that happen to be trained classical musicians and puts them in a truck and hauls them off to this theater right and then he gets them, and then he he gets a conductor who just happens to be also you know an artist, and he and then he also has the uh, another orchestrator manager guy who uh, is keeping an eye on the conductor and make sure that he's not screwing it up. And you, you get all these characters, and then you know, and eventually you get a gorilla, and you get a, a love interest, and you get all these people involved. And for me, personally speaking, it was a mixture of like. Um, Jeunet. I felt a little bit of Jeunet like uh, from Delicatessen and City of Lost Children. Okay. That that kind of feeling I got from it. I got a lot of the Marx Brothers out of it.
1: Yep. Yep. I can I can see that now. I was I was, of I was sort of thinking I, it's only been very recently. Well, I've I've only seen I confess two Fellini films in my life, and up until mm-hmm. recently I'd even forgotten I'd seen the first one. The first one was maybe about. 10, 15 years ago, I watched orchestra rehearsal and was a little bit underwhelmed by it. But I saw uh, very recently Amicord. And Mm -hmm. not from a story perspective, obviously, but the characters in that seemed um, highly exaggerated, highly comical. And it's, I mean, not having seen enough Fellini, I can't say for sure, but I'd be surprised if the live-action characters in this weren't taking some sort of cue from uh, Federico Fellini. But if you're an expert out there and you've seen both Fellini and this film, please feel free to write in and uh, let me know if I'm, if I'm just throwing the shit out there. Well, I was
2: kind of wondering if the, um, the sort of tone of those uh, you know live-action scenes... And, and the humor therein whether that was a particularly sort of Italian thing and maybe it just wasn't something that translated well right i don't know um i don't know how you guys felt about that i did get a bit of monty python from it as well very much yeah i was
0: going to say python too yeah, yeah 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 but i mean for me too it's like i don't know like i said like Genet with you know with delicatessen or with city of lost children or what he does like that fantasy element of where he brings in all these characters that are so diametrically opposed you know like all these women are old women and yet they they're all kind of primping themselves up like their beauties <laughs> and then and and then you know then, then it's like everybody is something that don't that you don't think that they are but They think they are, and this a lot too. Where Gilliam, Gilliam presents these characters that are kind of so diametrically opposed, or they're kind of above and beyond. What you what you see, you know, like what 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 they are is not what you see, but they're they're more. I don't I don't know how to explain. I know where I'm going with this, but I just I just get that kind of weird feeling from this, like guilt, like Gilliam or like Jena. Yeah.
1: Look, I went and watched one of the bonus little extra things that was on the DVD <laughs> release of this, and there was an interview with uh, Maurizio Nacetti, who, as I said before, he was the um, he was the guy who played the uh, the animator. Right. And- he it was actually his idea to come up with the orchestra of uh, the little old ladies uh, you know to rough things up a little bit and uh, have this i guess this contrast between you know the classy orchestra that we get in fantasia compared to the shambolic one that we get here in allegro non troppo uh, right and you know we get deems taylor being so very polite and uh, you know saying oh wow thank you very much mickey you did a wonderful job in fantasia right. compared to uh, this you know the tyrant who Who's um, the the actor whose name I've forgotten? But I, I just think he did a wonderful job here. Uh, in this, you know, he bullies his I, orchestra, he bullies the animator, and
0: I think that's kind of what I was getting at with with, with and Gilliam is that you know where other people would just use clean cut or straightforward cast characters, you know, these people would use children or they would use extremely old people. Or they use people in kind of roles that are kind of very, you know, obtruse or, or just strange in a way. Like you, you know, they don't go at it from a straight angle. Mm. You know, they just, they just do this.
2: That's quite a sort of European approach. I mean, you can't really see American mm-hmm. films doing that, can you? No, no, But that's, no. Um, that kind of thing is, as you say, it's quite prevalent in the, in the way a lot of European directors approach what they're doing, I think. So. Uh-huh. Let's
1: talk a little bit about the actual animation, because, okay, so I get the feeling that, so you, at least, you know, Bernie and Wendy, you weren't so crazy about the live-action sequences we might come back to that a little bit later but the animation itself did you find that you enjoyed all the animation sequences or was there a particular favorite what what spoke to you
3: yeah there were a couple that i really didn't like but the one that i loved was revel's bolero
2: I was going to say thing, yeah. that was my favourite too. Yeah, that was excellent. Yeah.
1: So uh, there's a bit of a description for that one. That's, um, I mean, on the on the one hand, you know, it just looks like this simple thing of the the drop of coke out of the bottle evolves, and as the music builds up, it's making this journey, and you know, you don't know where, and it's sort of this history of evolution. It really took me until, I mean, it had been many years since I'd watched the film. Uh, until I got to watch it again for for the podcast. But the monkey, which we see in this, where the evolution is eventually heading towards, all the little things that the monkey does along the way, the nasty little things, I didn't notice that uh, years and years ago watching this. But watching this on DVD, now you sort of think, oh, he's a bit of a bad egg, some of the things that uh, that he's doing. But, you know, this yeah. whole thing about it's... it's um, but Seto has done this. If, if you've seen some of his short uh, animated films, like outside of this film, he uh, often does do things with uh, social commentary, and um, this definitely is it. You know, it's a it's an evolution. But where have we headed? And you know, if you haven't seen the film, I don't want to give it away. But
2: I th- yeah, the I little cut to film. that scene was uh, quite telling, wasn't it? Yeah. The very end, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think it's a really funny thing, too. That you know, I mean, Bolero is supposed to be you know, an erotic song, it's a very sensual song, right. but the way that it's played out here is like this kind of march to doom,
1: right? I no longer think of uh, Bo Derek and Dudley Moore, I'll think of this. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right,
0: right, right. I was going to say that um, for me a couple of ones that I really liked was, you know, the initial, the first one, the Debussy one. Or right. the little the, the satyr guy and um he like when wendy was talking about yellow submarine he told totally reminded me of the nowhere man oh yeah and you know and all he all he wanted to do was get a little bit of raisin pie you know like all all he wanted was a little slice you know and he's running around trying to trying to get a little trim you know and trying to you know like pimp himself up and he's getting cock-blocked at every angle, you know, and he's getting denied, denied, and he's running around and eventually he, he, he realizes that the environment that he's in is this actual woman. And I thought that that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the uh, the other one that I thought was really touching that got me was, and I never thought I'd get, you know, affected by it, but was uh, uh, Sebelius's... false uh, priest. Yeah, the wall Street with the cat. Yeah, yeah. I
3: like I like that one yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. That That's was
0: good. really, that was really sad. You know, what I mean, where you know you're seeing the cat go through, and you're wondering what's going on, and then I thought it was gonna, um, spoiler alert, whatever you want to say, but I initially thought it was like in the ghetto, like in World War Two or World World War One, or I, I thought it was kind of like a war, like a war zone Mm. and then it doesn't matter what it is and then you see the wrecking ball come and then that's the end of the house you know it's all
2: those memories that are in the house right i like the way that uh the animator uses those kind of like almost photo negatives of real people yes you know the kids running around and playing and that kind of thing yeah. that was really effective, wasn't it? I, th- I was going to say I think
1: the first time I saw that at you know whatever age twenty or something like that, I think I bawled like a baby in in the cinema, which was you know it's in probably its intended reaction. But I mean, you got you got um, the, the the Dvorak. Uh, cartoon, the Dvořák Slavonic dance earlier on, but, you know, right? which which is, you know, just a nice little bit of satire, and and this, you get this, and it's just, yeah, you find yourself bawling your eyes out, you know, this poor cat walking around the ruins, and he's remembering days gone by, and uh, having good food, and playing with the children, and the and the ball right. wall, and sleeping by the fireplace, and, and then it's all just one big memory. I mean, you, you, you mentioned Gilliam before, and, you know, Gilliam is all about humour, but that combination... Of cartoon with the live action thing sort of made me made me think of Gillian more than just about anything in this film. Yeah, right. I can see
0: that. Yeah. yeah, right. The other the other thing I was gonna say too is when you guys were talking about the Bolero piece, um, to go back just a second, backtrack, mm. yep. and as they're doing the march and they're going through, there's a there's one point where they actually come up to the cross. Right, and you know, and I was thinking, you know. It was made back in 76. 76 it was, or 77. It was, I don't think, you know, it probably wouldn't be, wouldn't have been, I don't know if it would have been considered provocative for the time. Maybe more for the nudity or the sensuality than than as the uh, political or the social subtext. But, but I was thinking, man, they'd never make anything like this today. There's no way they could, because it, it's just like with all the underlying social current in this in this little animated film it's it's you know you know for example you know like with the firebird with Stravinsky (laughs) You know, the snake eating the apple, and then all the shit that that goes on with the snake, and how the snake becomes a suit, and you know all this stuff and this. Like I'm thinking today, you know, we're we're more we're more anal than we than we have ever been. It seems, you know.
1: You know I know, I, I tend to dis- disagree with you on that, Tim, because I think that even though there might be you know some parts of the world that are louder than than ever about those sorts of issues, but I think that they're being louder in reaction to more and more people wanting to discuss issues like that. So I, I tend to think that, you know, it, it might not come out of mainstream Hollywood, um, or it might, I don't know, but certainly out of Europe, I, I could almost see something, if there was someone who had the creativity, it's, it's not something to do about not wanting to touch the themes that are covered in the Stravinsky piece, or the right. themes that were... Um, Covered in uh, Ravel's Bolero, uh, in that piece of animation, but I, it's more about you know whether there'd be someone who has the creativity to follow up on that. But certainly the themes that they touch, yeah, absolutely, I think I could still see being done, and probably um, not that I think that either of those <coughs> were subtle, but I think there'd be. Uh, filmmakers today would be even more, what's the word I'm looking for, even more forceful uh, to, to make their point known, I think. Like,
0: like t- today, you really haven't seen any provocative animation. There hasn't been that much, you know, I mean, the majority of it's all been either Pixar or Disney, you know. But, I mean, what, I, what I'm what i trying to get at, I guess, is that back at this time, the idea of, you know, uh there's a lot of younger people, okay, that consider classical music to be very banal and very bland and just put you to sleep. But but then, you know, when you look at the actual themes and, you know, the, the, the things that push people to compose these pieces, you know, like sexuality, lust, violence reminiscence depression like all the gamut of emotions mm. and and when you see that you know when you're trying to present that through animation then you have to basically you know take it from a philosophical approach where you're showing you know you're presenting religion you're presenting sex you're presenting capitalism you know the polit- you know the body politic all of it like you're 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 presenting all of it you know at the same time and I'm just saying that today we're so prickly, you know, in, in the way that, okay, re- religion has to be over there and sex has to be over on the, on the right and this has to be over here and this has, it's like we're, we're, we've compartmentalized so much today. I find that, you know, but in the past, everything well, kind it, of meshed.
2: I, I think you nailed it, Tim, when you said that, uh, back at this time, I think it was the fact that this was made in the, in the mid 70s and you know we'd just come out of the 60s where all these sweeping sort of cultural changes had happened mm-hmm. and you know you could discuss this kind of thing now not only could you discuss it or allude to it in some ways you were kind of expected to if you were going to make something that was interesting and right you know slightly edgy you know what i mean so
3: yeah this was the era of bakshi you know this was the era yeah, where yeah. you could make that type of thing in animation and now sure.
2: Yeah, totally. No one's making Fritz the cat nowadays. Are they? No, but nobody that, could was...
0: dare. Nobody could yeah. dare do what Ralph did today. Like, yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no damn way. I mean, yeah. I
3: guess you say, would you say the closest thing we have is like South Park? Is that the closest thing we have? Maybe, to, like, maybe,
0: maybe, or you know, I mean, John, you know, John Chris Felucci. I mean, what he did with Ren and Stimpy, and you know, that is, you know, about it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and even that's what twenty years old or something like that. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Oh My God, yeah. Sure, yeah. But I'm just, I'm just saying that I think we've, we've reached a stage now, you know, in quote unquote evolution, (laughs) where you know we've uh, compartmentalized so many aspects of society that we, you know, we have, we can't have them intertwined, you know. I mean, and I think that's what makes this this film really interesting to me, is how you know they they present classical music with Adam and Eve and the snake and 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 you know erotica and just the gamut yeah, of, I, of-
3: I did not like the Adam and Eve one at all. Like oh, I didn't really? like. Yeah, I didn't like the weird uh, clay stuff, and yeah, I don't know why that one just
1: didn't sit with me I, I i imagine that you still had childhood memories
2: scaring the shit out of you <laughs> i think i did it was it that giant booby tree that you didn't like i gotta tell you, you know? i
1: gotta tell you sticky i did like that giant booby tree but i bet the, you did Sigm- <laughs> you know probably it probably has a it, thing it, or tend to say about me
0: is it yeah. just me is it just me or did you guys think at the same time where you're watching some of that and you were thinking, man, this would make the most amazing theme park. Right? Right. <laughs> booby land. Oh, booby land. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. You know, erotic, erotic, the erotic garden or whatever, you know. It's just like like some of, some of the stuff they had in that. I'm watching this going, man, like, yeah, that would make the most amazing theme park. You know, they got those bouncy castles, you know, for kids, you know.
1: I sh- I should say for those of you listeners out there who haven't seen the film yet this is uh referring to the um to the first piece by uh, Debussy the uh, prelude to the afternoon of a fawn the um the the old the old man who um, can't quite get the date can't quite get to it, it, but it also this film also says more not just about this old guy who can't get it on with a pretty young thing but I, I guess if you look at it in a more broader perspective, I, I guess it says something about how, you know, in, in this world, we have those people, the, the people who have, and then the people who are just left to, left to, um, yeah. fend for themselves or not be cared about. You know, we, we, we make, uh, so much, we, we say so much about, oh, everyone needs to be cared for, everyone needs to be looked after, there's a place for everyone in this world. And, you know, th- this is just acknowledging the reality. I mean, using this story as a metaphor, but it, Really says something that there are ignored people in in our society or ignored groups in our well, you, you society, could, while the, um, while the pretty young things are are, are uh, right. you know, advertising cola yeah. and getting yeah. and going on Big Brother and and other sorts of shows like that.
2: That's it. It's the divide between uh, you know beauty as it's shown in movies and on TV as this right. ideal, which in real life none of us really get that close to frankly well except for you. Um, well of course yeah apart from me and yeah. wendy as well of course yeah yeah well of course wendy but um yeah no i, I think you could take it in that spirit you know the, the, that sort of little satter guy is just some sort of dodgy little fat dude who um you know he's sort of aiming too high for what he's likely to get he's, isn't he frankly.
0: he's the nowhere man yeah he's the nowhere man yeah
2: yeah he's Jeremy yeah so he's not hes That's not great. one of the beautiful people like me so oh, I was I
1: was just gonna say so like you've already mentioned Tim that we've covered off subjects in you know, a sex violence evolution the corporate world you know capitalism greed but the uh, the second film or the second short in the film which is set to Dvorak Slavonic dance number seven right is uh, about conformity time seeing it and just laughing so hard as you know all the three the little
0: you don't the get little t- guillotines
1: right right you, you don't you don't get time to get sick of this one but you know this this is a guy who um, he uh, he comes out of the cave builds his own little hut and everyone comes out of the cave oh he's doing that we're going to do that and just where it goes to is, is just very, very, very funny. But no, Again, the, the, li-
2: the little sting at the end of that is fantastic, oh, isn't it? That was right. really good. Yeah. It's all
3: about cave
0: gentrification. If there's anything I'm so sick of, it's those cave neighborhoods being gentrified. <laughs> yeah, right. Indeed. But in the end, they all yeah. wound up growing beards and uh, buying coffee at Starbucks,
2: right?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, they're all about their fucking microbrew cave drinks. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're tight cave pants they're wearing so they're wandering around. Skin-tight <laughs> right. jeans. Right. I was going to say, that this isn't really uh, connected as such, but I bumped into a guy who, um, when we were teenagers, we used to be quite good friends and I'd see him quite often, And as is the way you fall out of touch with people, but I bumped into him the other day, and um, such a hipster, he's got a great big beard, really skinny jeans, and you know, he's like, he's 43, like me, and uh, I just thought, yeah, some people still need to try and sort of keep up with the Joneses, don't they, you know? So, but as I say, that's neither here nor there, really. Right.
3: I don't understand why young guys think they all need beards. It's it's lost its masculinity. Like now it's just something where th- when they're older yeah. you know when when they're older they're gonna look back on that and wish that they had spent their youth looking young, you know? Yeah.
2: Wendy, let I'd me tell you something. I, as well.
1: I started growing a beard at twenty one merely because I could not be fucked shaving. That was it, I thought <laughs> screw that shit. <laughs> I, I get up first thing in the morning. I just want to eat and get out. I've got no time for this show nonsense. That's why I've grown a beard. It's not to be not to be you know, as hip as you know the people Bernie hangs out with. There's only yeah, one reason just... for
0: growing a beard. Yeah, it's a flavour saver. <laughs> Ooh, this isn't the trashy trio, is it? <laughs> mm. oh. Grilled cheese.
3: Everyone's just imitating you, Morris. That's that's what everyone's doing. It's a whole legion of generations of men who have a picture of you,
1: and and they just—that's it. I'll put that notion (laughs) to our good friends over at the uh, the Feed My Ears podcast. I'll see what you know, Nathan and (laughs) and and John and Jeff have to say about that because they got real beards. Mine mine stays on my face, whereas they got you know the full. The full Monty. Oh, no, hang on. That means right. different, doesn't it? They're go they they're going all the way. <laughs> it's
0: got a couple of whiskers off the cat's ears that you just glued onto your face. Yeah, that's it. Now, though, um, going back to the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. We're here talking about yeah, the film. Um, the right the thing one, the one that, thing I, w- I wanted to say, okay, that I find that's interesting with this project is that everyone who listens to classical music... When you close your eyes and you listen to it, you have your own projected image of what this music means to you or the imagery that it conveys. And I think that, you know, with this film, it's very interesting because a lot of people might get upset with this film because when they hear the classical pieces, they may say that that's not the way I see it. That's not the way I, I, that's not the feeling I get from this piece, you know, and how could, how could they take it in with these, you know, how could they kind of, you know, uh, combine these images with this piece because they really don't go together. But we have to understand that this is, you know, the perspectives of the people putting this project together. It's not ours. We just have to take it into faith that this is the way they sit and say, okay, well, you know, that's what it is, you know.
1: I got, I got to say, and I've watched this as I've mentioned, you know, quite a number of times over the years. And I hear these pieces, and I feel like it never occurs to me anymore that you know these pieces were all hundred, you know, over a hundred years old or hundred and fifty years old before the film was made. I, I just sort of think these pieces sound like they were written for these pieces of animation. I think they go so well together with uh, the animation. I mean, it might be sacrilege to say that to any of the Disney fans out there, but I think <laughs> these pieces work even better for these pieces of animation than they do for Fantasia. And that's not to belittle Fantasia. I love Fantasia, and I, I, I'm even one of the few people who love Fantasia 2000. But um, I really think that Bruno Bozzetto and uh, his team of animators, they thought long and hard about how they were going to pick their pieces and how they were going to tell their stories, and I, you know, really, that like you know, the the waltz the the sad waltz with the with the cat, you know, where the where the music builds up a little bit, it's it's perfect. Where it goes from the minor key to the major key, and you see the cat remembering the good times that he had, and it's the music becomes playful, and the cat, his environment becomes playful, and then when it drops bad back into the uh, uh, the minor key, it drops back to his reality. Uh, it just I. I do not hear that piece anymore without thinking of that piece of animation
0: that's great that's great but i'm just say, i'm just saying that for some mm. they may they may see this film and just say well that's not exactly how i imagined this piece of classical composition but again
4: you and have to just if, say um,
2: if, if you're going in with that attitude tim though you're going to be disappointed because you're not right. going to see this film to listen to the classical music you're going to see it Because you want to see the people involved with their interpretation and how they think about it and what they've created to complement it, you know, so.
0: Right, right. But I'm just saying, like, for example, it's the same thing would be like with popular music, right? You know, if, if they did this music with all Black Sabbath tunes with animation and you could hear a song like, for example, you know, Hand of Doom or Electric Funeral or something and you say, I know, I know what that. I can see the imagery of that song in my mind. And then when somebody shows like a bunch of like women, you know, ballerinas, animated ballerinas dancing the war pigs, you would be like, "What the fuck," you know? But that's well,
2: that's, that's the beauty of music, isn't it? We we all get something different from it, you know. We all have exactly, our little absolutely all running in our heads when we listen. So, right. yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's
3: an interesting thing, Is like, we have all these jukebox musicals now, right, where they create a narrative, they make a musical around pre-existing music. Right. We don't really have animated versions. Like, imagine if instead of Mamma Mia, we had, like, a bunch of ABBA songs that were animated. I think, yeah,
0: it's true, nobody's really done that yet. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. You know, I'd love to see somebody, like, well, I think the closest would be, and maybe... Bernie, I don't know if they did this in, in England or in Australia, Morris, but we used to have these uh, laser shows at the uh, planetarium in the 80s. Yeah, we had those. Floyd. <laughs> wow. Laser Floyd or Laser Floyd, you know. And they'd play the music, and then they would actually, like, screw around with the lasers to put images up uh, on the planetarium wall, right, you know?
2: I bet you went to the Green Zone first, didn't you, on your way there, Tim? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. For
0: sure, yeah. With money with money you would see like coins and then you see them going into a pig and the pig was like this laser pig, you know, and yeah, it was it was you know but I but I think what I what I'm trying to get at is that you know, you're right, you know, you watch a film like this to see the interpretations of the compositions, you know, but there's people that, you know, when they hear certain music, it it, it elicits a certain emotion in them or a certain imagery. And, and it may conflict and it is what it is like that's fine you know but you you know but this isn't about what it means to you this is about what it means to you know the creators of this project like you're saying bernie
2: yeah exactly yeah
1: yeah so uh, i i was going to ask have um any of you had the chance to either you know via youtube or any other means <laughs> watch any of the other short uh, animated pieces from uh, Bruno Bazzetto because he's, he's still working, I think, through to today. I saw, the last thing that I think I saw was like this far, but not, only like two, three years ago. So
2: Well, one thing I did, um, I didn't realize until doing a little bit of research about this before I watched it, and actually this character makes a guest appearance in the film, uh, that Bruno Bazzetto was the creator of Signor Rossi. That's right,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: did did you guys get that when uh, in in like Canada and the States and so on when you were younger? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. But uh, yeah, there's a little sequence in this, which is it's part of the one of the live action sequences. Uh, the PR? Where, uh, yeah. Yeah. Signor Rossi shows up and he gets burned to death. In quite a, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> frankly. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, know why I'm laughing when, there, you, but... when you
1: say it like that. It sounds terrible that I'm laughing.
2: But, um, yeah, so, no, that was a nice little treat, because, you know, I grew up watching Signor Rossi and singing the uh, the fantastic theme song, mm. right. Viva Happiness, yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, you know, I haven't seen any uh, anything else by uh, Bruno Bazzetti, uh, Bazzetti B- is it? B- yeah, Bazzetto, Sorry, Bizzetto, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen anything else that um, he's made, so. Well, there's,
1: there's a, uh, on the DVD that I have, there's about uh, 10 short films, but there's a whole bunch of them on YouTube and some just exceptionally clever two that I want to bring to yours and the listeners attention one called uh, grasshoppers and it's see on the screen a whole tuft of long grass growing up in front of your eyes and then you you see all these grasshoppers around and then the the grass gets eaten away and uh, then you you get a sequence of um, violence across the ages you know conflicts people killing each other wars Hatred, personal conflict—they all shoot each other in all sorts of comically humorous ways, and then the grass grows back over them. And you know, the two things that are sure in the history of the world are grass and death, uh, or right. ha- hatred and death. And it's yeah. It's, it's funny and tragic all at once and very, very clever. So that's Grasshoppers. I'm pretty sure that that's Vimeo or YouTube. And there's another one called, I just wanted to quickly mention called Baby Story. If you can see that one, I I don't want to give anything away too much except to say it's about the the fertilization process and it is very, very funny. So uh, Baby Story, if you can check either of those two out, but there's a stack of other ones available. You know what's
0: really funny is when I saw his animation last night for the first time, specifically uh, the Debussy piece, it sent me back and and jarred my memory to years and years and years ago, I had a bootleg on VHS of this animated piece called Shame of the Jungle. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and and it was like an X-rated kind of animated version of Tarzan with all these penis penis monsters and all kinds of craziness but uh but yeah like the the animation was very similar and at first
1: didn't didn't johnny weissmuller's grandson or something do the voiceover for
2: for yeah
0: yeah 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 but at first i thought Pozzetto had done that and then i checked it today and he didn't but the but the animation was very very similar you know and i Because I'm watching this, going, wait a minute! I've seen this guy, like you know, with the big, with the big tits, and uh, you know, all that, the kind of running around and stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, and yeah. But um, out of all this, the the whole thing in the film, there's one thing I have to say that really made me smile and laugh. You know, and I was laying there in bed last night, feeling shitty with the flu. But the one thing that kind of, you know, no matter how bad I feel, the one thing that always will perk up my spirits is a dancing gorilla.
2: Yeah, universal there's, cure, isn't it?
0: Right, this universal cure. There's the bit where yeah. you know the, the conductor and the, and the gorilla are both, you know, mimicking each other, and they're doing and they're almost like doing that kind of Hungarian kind of like the that,
1: animator, yeah, the animator and the, uh, the
0: animator, the quizzmer the the uh, dance,
1: and then, and then the, the gorilla uh, gr-
2: just. I was saying the uh, the gorilla literally just comes out of nowhere. He just sort of runs on stage and starts uh, right. Well, the, for there's, home, he there's that
1: Python element
2: for you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then there's yeah.
0: the, other, the other the other bit where they put the animator in the piano and they get that prostitute to come <laughs> out of nowhere. And then they tell yeah. her. They say, "Oh, it's just like drinking a glass of water." And then they, they they then they throw her in there. And then the piano breaks, and the both of them wind up going through the piano under the floor. They're having too
2: much fun in there. Yeah,
1: that's right. That, was yeah. that just before the sad waltz? I think that might have been just before the sad uh, waltz. I think statement. it was
2: after the sad waltz, wasn't it? Oh. It was, was you saying, well, you, you need oh, to do that's something right. that's a bit more cheery." Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was with,
0: like, no, you know, no. It was after the bees. It was it was right after Vivaldi. Uh, yeah, because yeah. It, it was the lovers rolling around on the grass, uh, and then the guy, the guy gets stung in the ass by the bee. Actually, in the uh, theater.
1: Yeah, but that's it. The, the roll around in the piano is what inspired the roll around in the hay. Right, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, any more thoughts? Uh, I would just
2: likely, uh, like to quickly point out the uh, the cleaning girl, oh, yeah. uh, Marie Louise uh, Giovannini Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought she looked like the love child of Lena Rome and Liza Minnelli I just wanted to point out
0: or you know you know who she reminded me of too and going back again to uh Jeanne, she reminded me of Amelie
2: oh uh yeah what's her face yeah uh, <coughs>
0: Audrey Tattoo yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I can sort yeah, of she... see that yeah yeah Yeah,
0: she reminded me a little bit of that well
1: yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna disgrace myself she looked to me like Pam Dorbo <laughs>
0: No no no
3: Robin Williams on Wii, is that it? Have you been watching a lot of
1: Mork and Mindy? Uh, uh I haven't yeah. watched in a little while, but I did watch a lot of it in the day, and and I loved it. Actually, I dug out my old uh, copy of Reality. What a concept! The album that he was recording while he was yeah. still doing Mork and Mindy, and a lot of it's dated, but still some of it's quite funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that for for a lot of people that aren't really on board with classical music, or they really this is a really I mean obviously this is not something you're going to be able to show kids but um, for a lot of people that you know are kind of not that they have a distaste for classical music but for those that may not quite appreciate or may not you know are looking to become connoisseurs of classical music i would really suggest watching this film because it's a fun way of um, showing the potential of animation and art and music and how it how it can really kind of uh, blend together in ways that are, are really surprising, you know?
1: So, despite the uh, your feelings about the linking pieces, um, Wendy, will go with you first. Would you recommend this to uh, people to watch?
3: I would recommend parts of it. Like, I feel very... I, I like it half and half. Some of it I really, really enjoy, and some of it I'm like, ah, so... I, I would recommend excerpts from it.
2: Okay, and seeing your stick well. Well, funnily discussing it with you guys, I'm I'm kind of feeling a little kindlier towards it now. So whilst you know certain parts of it didn't work for me at all, I think it's uh, it's worth sitting through. It's worth uh, watching, and it's worth um, you know putting the time and effort in. And I think there's enough there to make it worthwhile. So yeah, I think I would recommend it. <laughs> Excellent.
1: Well, there you go. You got it from the... Cra- I mean, I- I'm way too emotional to be uh, completely yeah. objective about it. I- I've got a long history with this film. I absolutely adore it, but yeah, it's I'll... Um, so it's obvious I'm going to... Uh, it's
0: definitely worth spinning up. one too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Maybe watching on a double bill with the yellow submarine while you're having oh, yeah. the green action.
0: Yeah. Alright. Uh,
1: okay, we'll go quickly to another break and come back and we have uh, some feedback for you. So... Uh, uh-huh. That's very, very exciting. People, people like us. All right, we'll be back in a moment.
5: Hello, it's Eric Reanimator chiming in with four of my fave films that deal with music first one is from 1933 and it's the classic gold diggers of 1933 one of the great pre-code films it's a musical about a bunch of chorus girls who are putting on a show to pay the bills and of course it's got a great bunch of musical numbers and dance choreographed by busby berkeley but for me mostly it's got the one the only the amazing joan Blondell. This woman defined moxie. If you have not seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. Up next, another classic from 1970. Story and screenplay by Roger Ebert, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. This is the classic rock and roll exploitation that follows the adventures of the band that carry nations as they go west to find their fortune. It's got some great songs it's cheesy, it's over the top, it's everything you want. Skipping ahead to 1989, probably the hardest to find on this list, but a film that I think needs to be rediscovered, and that is The Running Kind, which is a punk rock, punk western, not nah, really punk western. Okay, so this Ohio teen who's all set up to take a summer job at his dad's law firm, goes out to a show with his friends while they're slumming it, and runs into this all-girl band called the Screaming Sirens, who are a real band, who I actually kind of dig. And he follows them to L.A. and helps them out. And it's, it's just a fun, great little 80s film. Highly recommend if you can find a copy of it, you pick it up. And lastly, we are living in the golden age of the rock documentary great documentaries about towns van zant rocky erickson the mc5 a band called death searching for sugar man all that stuff is out there but i want to give a shout out to we jam okano the story of the Minutemen. the documentary tells the story of the band three guys from san pedro california who made uncompromising music in their own way let their limitations create their art And lived as much as they could without compromise. So until next time, this is Eric Reanimator, leaving you with just a little bit of the Minutemen for the hell of it.
1: Thanks very much, Eric, for your uh, feedback there. I know I'd, I'd asked on the Facebook group a few months back for uh, what, uh, people to submit what their favourite music related films were, and people just kept putting up on the Facebook group. And I said, look, send us an email, so you know, we make it special for the show. And people just kept ignoring that. I don't know. Just this community, oh, you pranksters. But Eric came through with Damn a bit of MP3. All, I Damn them all. Damn the torpedoes. But uh, Eric came yeah, through. Apart from
2: the nice ones who listen, of course. No, no, we don't love them. Them. We love you all. Jeez,
1: yeah. I don't want to shoo away the, you know, the two listeners that we have, for God's sake. But, you know, thanks for us we've all. Got two now? Oh, sorry? Nothing. No. <laughs> Carry on. Never mind. Um, actually, one of those uh, suggestions that he'd made, I actually watched, uh, was it two weeks ago for the first time, the Gold Diggers of uh, 1933. And, uh, yeah, there was a, there was a lot that, uh, was fun about that. I mean, it's obvi- obviously of its time, but I did find it interesting that, um, you know, sort of not being, not being so aware, you know, at the start of a few minutes into this, you know, they're singing that song, We're in the Money. I didn't know that that song had come from that film. And then I thought, oh, okay, so surely it was the, uh, I didn't think the depression was over yet, and then by the time they get to the end of the song, you realise, no, the depression was not over yet. But yeah, I, I found that to be an enjoyable film. I mean, you know, some of the uh, the romance action was a little bit too trivial for my liking, but the song and dance numbers were absolutely fantastic, and you know, it, it had its heart in the right place, so that was a good, good little film. Uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, uh, I think we're going to have to uh, cover some Russ Meyer action at some stage, although... Oh,
2: I'm oh yeah. down with that.
1: No, there's not a, there's not enough booby in in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, but I, I don't know that there's a, a musical connection to Beyond the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, so I don't know. We'll have to work. So out it doesn't it.
0: matter. We'll just cover it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll find the. That's excuse. the attitude,
2: Tim. I like that.
1: So I have I have an email. I, I'd seen on well, the. Can
2: I just uh, say oh, uh, yeah, uh, sorry? Uh, Eric's uh, choices were all great, and uh, I'd, I'd be totally up for doing the uh, Minutemen documentary at some point. Nice. Uh, and also that uh, what was the that other film you mentioned? The, the, running, uh, kind. the, punk... the running Kind. The Running Kind. That sounds great. I don't know that one, but that no. sounds really good. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to look that one up. Mm. Running mm. Kind. Excellent. Thanks, Eric. So
1: I have an email here from uh, Jeff Rocks over at the uh, Feed My Ears podcast. Now he'd gone and put up a post on uh, Feed My Ears saying that he was going to be watching Fantasia. And I, sent him a note back saying, Oh, have you watched Fantasia two thousand? He said, Oh no I haven't and then he watched that and I said have you watched Allegro on Tropo? I said, Oh no I haven't and so he watched it and he very kindly sent us a note back to say what he thought about it. So he said, Okay, I've watched it twice this week and have been in stitches both times for so many reasons. Being a fan of animation to begin with never hurts. The segments meld so beautifully with each piece performed every time. The first animation bit, the Aging Fawn set the mood where I knew the school would narrate the story and I would enjoy this exercise, hence the reason for viewing twice, once to focus on the music, once to focus on the animation. I tend to get caught in the moment, blur both together and know I've missed so much. Each pairing of music and cartoon are perfectly placed and this project was well prepared and displayed as such. Speaking of preparation, the other one-third of this movie for me was the humour and cut scenes between the animation, the live acting with our narrator, conductor, the orchestra, just the thought of those ladies makes me laugh. And the poor, tormented animator himself performed the antics, uh, antics in such a deadpan method, I thought it was worthy of mention. Think a happy marriage of Monty Python, kids in the hall, and possibly the smart absurdity of pen and Teller. That's a that's a good uh, comparison. Uh, how could one not resist? Kudos to Bazzetto for addressing the obvious fact that Allegro non troppo is inspired by Disney's Fantasia, or was it Grisni or Grisney? Something like that. In the comedic manner, that gets the point across and clears away for the parody to continue. Other than not mentioning his name, Disney is not bashed in this production, but given an appreciation from almost the other side of the world. Thanks, Morris, for this recommendation. It's a definite keeper. So uh thanks very much for uh sending your thoughts to us, Jeff. Much appreciated. And yeah, look, in the interview that I'd seen in the bonus features on the DVD... Boceto had said it definitely was not his intention to be a Fantasia or a Disney basher because he grew up. He was a huge fan of Disney and uh, you know saw this as as an inspiration. But this was just something that he felt uh, he wanted to do just to have a different spin on on um, doing the classical music set to animation. And when you think that um, you know, Disney probably had hundreds of animators at his beck and call, and there was probably a far smaller number that Boceto had available to him. You sort of had to make the stories fit that style of animation and um, that simpler style, I think, sort of fit that uh, slightly uh, more warped sensibility than, than uh, Disney would have uh, portrayed. So I think we've um, come to uh, the end of our feedback and we've come to the end of another episode of C. here. Thanks very much for joining us. And now, uh, Tim, it's your choice for next month. So episode 10, we're reaching double figures. What have you got for us for double
0: figures? Already, well... I had to think uh, long and hard about this, hard and long, and uh, I came to the conclusion that uh, we were going to cover a film by one Mr. Jimmy Jarmusch, and that film would be Mystery Train. Nice! Nice,
2: fantastic.
0: Oh, I'm very, very happy that, day.
2: Oh, that's excellent. I I haven't seen that for ages. Oh, man, that is so good. Oh, nice call, Tim. So
0: I figured that would be a good... uh, that would be a good selection. That um, It's a very music-saturated film for many reasons, not just for the cast, but for the setting and for the whole spirit of it all. All
1: right, look, thanks very much, all you listeners out there, or both of you listeners out there, for uh, episode joining us for Episode 9 of uh, See Here Podcast. We've got a little Jamush action. I know we said that, like a Kiwi, Jom. I didn't mean that. I mean Jim Jamush action coming next month. So uh, until then, be nice to each other and um, read <laughs> and some. burn
2: your books. stiff little fingers. Records. Take them out. Make a <laughs> yeah. fire of them. Burn, burn, and well, Paul Weller. Well, well and Bono. And, yeah, oh and, my God, Bono. Jeez. Uh,
1: I, I just, I just really want to ask. I, I blame, I blame Piccolo for uh, that whole U2 thing. You know, he works for Apple, doesn't he? Uh...
2: On, say that again, Morris.
1: I, I blame Pickerloaf. <laughs>
2: Uh, is or, or, he uh, it is does he, work for Apple. I would, uh, yeah, I was going to say, you should all write strongly worded letters to Apple about this. And failing that, let's all just bombard the loaf with emails. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think, actually, I, to be truthful, I think even he's a little embarrassed.
0: Well, you know, what's really funny about this whole thing is I just saw a piece where they said that less than 5% of all Apple users and iTunes users downloaded the album. Less than 5%.
3: Damn it, I listened out of curiosity. When you put something free on me, I'm going to listen... <laughs> Yeah,
0: but but Wendy, that's like that's like somebody saying, well, like, I got this free plate of steaming dog shit in front of you. It doesn't mean you have to eat it, right? You know?
3: Yes, I would.
0: Unless you're Gigi Allen, but, you know, it's like, you know.
1: Lucky we didn't step in it. Yeah, exactly. All right, ladies and gents, thanks very much for joining us, and we'll be back next month uh, for some more see-here action. Until then,
0: Thanks, be for, nice. listening. thanks for listening. Yep, be nice. Bye. It's